They give up 14 offensive rebounds. They turn the ball over three times. You're not going to beat this team like that. Veteran players would come there and potentially play for less for the Lakers. I mean, he had a roster of superstars. I mean, it was just normal. You talk about Michael Jordan, he's a great player. You talk about KD, great scorer. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Up first, Skip and Shannon break down the Warriors' crucial Game 2 win over the Rockets and James Harden's new eye injury. Honestly, maybe I'm the only one that feels this way, Skip, but I believe Houston can beat this team. They just... They make 10 threes in the first half, Skip, but they're down nine. Why? They give up 14 offensive rebounds. They turn the ball over three times. You're not going to beat this Mm. team like that. You can't do one thing well, Hmm. two things bad, and hope to beat this team. They're too good, Skip. They're too disciplined. They got three of the greatest all-time shooters of all time. And you can't give them extra cracks at you. And that's what the Rockets did last night. You know, James Harden had that, uh, he got the eye laceration and he Mm -hmm. missed some time. But I thought once he came back and adjusted, you know, it's it's tough. You know, it's kind of hard to shoot without eyes. (laughs) When your your Uh, depth perception is blurry going in and out. But I believe they can get, think about this, Skip. The Warriors outscored them in the first half, 20 points off turnovers. The Warriors had 18 offensive rebounds in the game. They averaged 10 in the regular season. I wanted to see a little more from Capella. He gave me 14 and 10. I wanted to see a little more from P.J. Tucker. He gave me 13 and 10. Skip, I'm still waiting for CP3 to have that game. CP3 last year might have been their best player on the Rockets. Had he been there, I believe, A lot of people believe they would have won this series. I'm still Mm. waiting for him to have that game. But you can't give them extra – you can't give the Warriors extra possessions. Mm -hmm. Ball goes up. It's almost like – Skip, you – I remember watching Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. Every time I shot – they shot the ball, I thought it was going in. And I think sometimes teams get caught, the Rockets in this situation. Steph shoots the ball. Clay shoots the ball. Katie shoots the ball. They think it's going to go in. Mm. They standing around. Okay, the ball comes off. And then McKinney grabs it. Jarepko grabs it. Dunk. Pass it to Clay. Three-point shot. You get within three. They missed the ball. All you got to do is gain the, get, get, uh, uh, gain the possession, get, grab the rebound. Instead of being down three, going down the other way, you're back down five. You're back down six. Skip, I believe the Rockets can beat this team. They should not be discouraged. They should be a little discouraged mm-hmm. because I don't believe they played their best basketball. Now, they have the Warriors' undivided attention. The Warriors know what the Rockets represent. They know they can beat them, Mm -hmm. but they didn't get what they wanted. They wanted to get at least one of these games. Okay, Mm -hmm. you go home. The Warriors, all you did was hold serve at home. You're supposed to. You 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 held home court. Now the Rockets go back. I think they play Saturday. Yes. Get this win and not lose. That's a long time from now. That's good. James Harden eyes. Who you going to put some eye water, some now Con A in his eyes? I hope so. So, I believed, past tense, <laughs> that the Houston Rockets could beat the Golden State Warriors. Believed, past tense. No longer I no longer way. believe that. This is what I saw last night, and I'm going to remind everybody, Golden State won this game wire to wire. They never trailed mm-hmm. from, oh, it was two to nothing, and it, they led all the way home. Which is, very, which is not very common in a playoff it's series. not very common. 
the team I saw, the Houston Rockets, they looked to me like they were mentally defeated before they stepped on the floor last night. We all know about all the controversies of Game 7 of last year's conference finals that the Rockets brass thought they were robbed of. Mm -hmm. And then we all know what happened Sunday afternoon in Game 1. I I thought flat out the Rockets got robbed. And then Scott Foster got assigned to this game last night. Ed Malloy, too. And Ed Malloy, but especially (laughs) Scott Foster. So the Rockets knew they were stepping on the floor against a guy who had not refereed them since February 22nd when they all got into it with Scott Foster. And after the game, James Harden said, I never talk about referees, but he brought up Scott Foster by name and said he is rude and arrogant. And he concluded, I don't think he should ever be allowed to referee one of our games again. And he wasn't allowed until last night's game two. So if you're in James's shoes or Chris Paul's shoes, how are you feeling stepping on the floor? You feeling a little mentally defeated like, you just really don't have a chance. Right. Like he's going to get you somehow, some way, and you're just waiting for it to go wrong from the start. Okay. You're looking for ghosts. You're, you're waiting for the worst to happen. Mm-hmm. What can go wrong will go wrong if Scott Foster is refereeing. Obviously, he became a non-issue. Refereeing was a non-issue, and just for those who didn't follow this very closely, actually Houston shot 25 free throws to Golden State's 24. So free throws, non-issue, 20 to 20 in makes, right? Right. So so forget about that part of it. But to me, Houston looked like a team that wasn't nearly as confident as it was all during the regular season and all during last year's playoffs. I didn't see the swagger, and I definitely, to your point about the offensive rebounds, I didn't see the urgency. I didn't see the energy. I didn't see the focus. I didn't see that that absolute razor's edge commitment that I usually have seen from the Rockets, that I saw all year from the Rockets, at least once they got past their their shaky start. Mm -hmm. But the point is that look what happened. James gets raked across the eyes. I assume Draymond's fingernails yeah. raked mm-hmm. him, and he, he got slid over one. He had a lacerated uh, eyelid, and, and he did look like he had the red eyes. So I don't know, but, but I think he was okay enough. So, so he leaves 627 in the first quarter. They're down 17-8 to eight when he leaves. And what did Golden State do predictably? took foot off gas, Mm -hmm. right? Because Golden State's still in that are-we-there-yet mode. Have we gotten to the finals yet? Because they're only going to do just enough. If you push them or back them against the wall, they're going to show you, watch this. And they had shown you, watch this, up to 17-8. to And then James goes out. And would you believe that while he was out, Houston won the game 23-19? to They outscored Golden State 23-19. to And our man Austin Rivers came in and just lit it up. He scored eight of those points and made a couple of big threes. He and I, I love that kid. He's still yeah. a kid to me. He's actually not really a kid. But, <laughs> but again, he, he, he comes in, like Doc has always said, he's just fearless. And nothing bothers him. Right. And he came in and made some big shots and made some big defensive plays. And then James comes back, and what happens from then on? Golden State just immediately goes, whoosh, push it down and accelerate it, and they, they boost the lead right back up to 14. Mm-hmm. So, again, it actually somehow weirdly helped the Rockets that James was out for a while because it actually kept them in the game. So now we get down to your stats that you're talking about. Well, well think about this. They give up 18 offensive rebounds, and they have 18 turnovers. So what's going to happen? 
because to your point, they actually shot the hell out of the ball. Yeah, they, they, they really shot it. If, if I told you yesterday going in, boy, you would have bet a bunch of do on this. If I told you Houston would make 17 threes to only 11 for the home team, yep. that's 18 plus points, yep. right? Plus 18. Yep. Well, if I told you that, you'd say, Houston's got this one, right? Yep. You'd at least think they could cover. They didn't even cover the spread last night. They did night. not. It was close. But Five it, and a half. I know. Next, Nick and CeCe examine the Lakers coaching search. Man, you know something? Here we go. Like, it's, I mean, this is shocking to me. Because my experience with the Lakers, like, I, I, I mean, I've lived a very privileged life. Ninth grade, my brother was drafted by the Lakers. At that time, Jenny Buss's dad owned the Lakers. Dr. Buss. One of the most respectable sports figures ever that you ever want to meet. You're talking about recruit players. You're talking about a guy who had the heartbeat of the team. Nick, what was the conversation when Magic Johnson had a problem with the coach? Well, an advisor goes to Dr. Buss and says, we got a huge problem. Magic's a young player now. Magic, they'd won a championship already with him. Magic's in year two, I believe, year three. Says, we got a huge problem. Magic doesn't like the coach. Magic wants the coach fired. Dr. Buss, the legend says, chuckled and said, what's the problem? I guess we're firing the coach and just move. And he, by the way, when you now look back, oh, who should Paul Westfall or Irvin Magic Johnson? Right. It was as easy of a decision as Dr. Buss knew it was back in the early 80s. And I can back as far as I can remember, they have been a class organization. He had his heart and thumb on the pulse of the league. Veteran players would come there and potentially play for less for the Lakers. I mean, he had a roster of superstars. I mean, it was just normal for the Lakers to be able to get star players and to be able to play. As far as changing the coach, decisions like that, we knew who the boss was. And he always did things in a very, very classy, and that's the reason how they won all those championships. You can't get the number of stars that they have for the last 50 years and say, well, what was it? Was it just L.A.? No. The Clippers were losing right across the street. Mm -hmm. Cross town before they got in the same building. No, it's more than the city. And it was about Dr. Buzz. And now if you're talking about who is interviewing the coaches, Linda Rambus. Now, to me, I would be upset if Kurt Rambus, her husband, so this is not a male-female thing well, for me. And there's an element, C, where there was another report that whomever the new coach is going to be might potentially be pressured to have Kurt Rambis of a 65 and 164 career coaching record. Kurt Rambis, who in his two full seasons as a head coach, won 15 and 17 games for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Pressure to have that man, to have Kurt as an associate head coach on his staff. So why would maybe Linda Rambis be sitting in on these interviews? Why would an advisor of the owner be sitting in on head coaching interviews? Um, excuse, one quick question, Monty. What are your thoughts on my husband as one of your assistants? This is ridiculous. And you said it's not a man or woman thing, and it's not except for in this regard it can be. And when it comes to Jeannie Buss. And I think my track record of being on the right side of issues will give me a bit of a wide berth on this. It, when, a, when a man passes on his sports franchise to his son, I think people are naturally skeptical. Does that son know what he's doing? Or is he just a rich guy's son? Is he, does, did he, you, the dad built it and then the son inherits it. And sometimes that son turns into a great owner. And sometimes that son turns into just the, the kid that inherited it. When Jeannie took over the Lakers from her brother, there was justifiably and rightfully such a celebration of 
a woman being in this position of power in the NBA at an unprecedented level that I think there was an element of not really peeling back the layers of, is she doing a good job? It does she know what she's doing? Because we, I think myself, I wanted a woman to succeed in this role. And maybe Jeannie Buss will succeed in this role. But now that there is scrutiny on her, now that we are seeing what the organizational decision flow is, Linda Rambis and Kurt Rambis and Kobe's old agent are your entire brain trust. I read yesterday, the guy I've been calling for them to call, Gerson Rosas, the second smartest guy with the Houston Rockets, he's getting interviews. Not with the Lakers, of course, no, because why would you? Not when you have the Rambis family to lean on. I, LeBron takes all the heat on all this stuff. I, I almost want to flip the question. If LeBron wasn't there, would they have any shot at one of these free agents? If LeBron wasn't there, would this organization be anything other than a team in total disarray? Because since the season ended, they appear to be a team in total disarray. There's like a bit of justification now, now that we're looking back and we're hearing all this stuff, why Magic just didn't want to be a part of this anymore. It, it just it seems really messy at the top. And you have to ask yourself, what is he thinking? What is LeBron James thinking with all of this? Because he's taken a step back. At least we haven't heard anything. We all assume he wants his guy Ty Lue in there. But if that doesn't happen, it seems like, I don't know. The, the question, more question marks moving forward than not. The problem is LeBron believes he can overcome it because they haven't made a bad hire, even though the process is messed up. Right. They haven't made a bad hire yet. When they Luke Walton letting him go, that was a good decision. That's what Magic Johnson was going to do. But Magic Johnson was also going to get rid of Palinka. So where they're going now is not where Magic Johnson wanted them to go. That's why he didn't even give uh, uh, Jeannie Buss the, the courtesy of calling her. Well, and I think the other reason we now know Magic didn't give her the courtesy of calling her is he's getting these emails of these two guys talking trash on him. Of course. I mean, of, of, of reportedly Jeannie Buss and Rob Palinka not knowing he's blind copied on all basketball ops emails, and there's going back and forth. It's like when you text the wrong person, talking trash about that person. It's an awkward thing, tough to pull yourself out of it. And Magic said, I think, man, like he said many times, I'm Irvin Magic Johnson. I don't need this. I don't, I don't need this. And so he walked away. LeBron is not in position to walk away. Yes. And Le LeBron is there. And now... It, because it doesn't look like they're going to hire the smart guy, doesn't look like they're going to hire a real president of basketball ops, we don't know who the coach is going to be, it's going to be, fairly or unfairly, on LeBron to convince someone to come play there. You and me can go do it. Let's go do it. Forget all the rest of the noise, and the weather's really nice, and the jerseys look cool. Like, that shouldn't be the Lakers' You got pitch. the same weather for the Clippers now. Absolutely That's right. <laughs> and they have Jerry West. In charge. And Doc Rivers. Not, but, not but the, the Rambus. have Linda Rambus. Yeah. So. Now Kendrick Perkins and Jim Jackson join Willock and Wiley to break down the chance KD can catch MJ as the GOAT. Agree with you 100%. Enough <laughs> 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 said. But let, let, let's, yeah. let's ask this question. Okay. okay. There too. Will KD be a real challenger to Jordan's legacy and throne? Can no. No. And it's unfortunate. Um, this is not even my take. This is just my assessment right. of how the barbershop is going to let this uh, roll. Uh -huh. And you know how the go world barbershop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is how this is going to go. They already slicing KD up. He's not even looked at as a whole person and player like Jordan was. It's great. You talk about Michael Jordan, he's a great, great. player. You talk about KD, great scorer. Oh, one of the best shooters of all time. They already got him in subcategories. I'm like, that's not fair. And then they slice him up another level. 
They start talking about his championships and start putting the asterisk by it. Mm-hmm. This is the Kobe effect. Kobe Bryant won three championships with Shaquille O'Neal. And everybody was walking around and said, okay, Kobe, I see you three-time champion. And then the what? other side of the fence was like, oh, <laughs> did you really win three? Yep, and yep. then I thought Kobe was buying into the fact, I got three. I, I mean, throw them on the, on the table. And then he won his fourth one. And he acted like it was his first. Then I realized, oh, Kobe listening to them too. So they can slice you and they doing that to KD right now. Is it really the back-to-back finals MVP two times for you? Or is it you and Steph, what you got to do when you leave? If he wins another one somewhere else, that's not going to be enough. And I don't think they're giving him proper credit for where he and is they, right now. And they're not giving him proper credit. But to peop- the people who know basketball, mm-hmm. they know that KD is an all-around great basketball player. He defends at a high level. He passes the ball at a high level. He rebounds at a high level. I mean, it's nothing really that Kevin Durant cannot do. And to me, I think he's on the verge of being one of the all-time greats. I mean, the route he's going, listen, everybody say, oh, he went drawing the Warriors. KD didn't call the Warriors and say, hey, Mm -hmm. I want to come over there. No, they recruited Kevin Durant. So that means the Warriors needed Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant didn't didn't need the Warriors. He could have went anywhere. But that's not how the story goes. But I know, but but this is how it is, though. Yeah, I agree. You know, here's the pushback, though, because Jordan got the six rings and he did it in Chicago. KD got his, and if he gets another one this year in Golden State, (laughs) like Marcelo says, an asterisk. Even if KD chooses to leave, and let's say he goes somewhere else and wins another one or two championships, it puts him in that stratosphere, maybe the top five. Because right. from a skill perspective, oh. straight skill perspective, yeah. oh, oh no I doubt. mean, it's, it's no one on the planet that touches his skills. No. But that part of it that, okay, those other couple championships were assisted by this, mm-hmm. but Jordan did it by himself, Kobe. Now, I think he'll be ahead of Kobe, but I think to catch Michael, you got to start from a fresh slate in regards to kind of winning that in a different manner. It has to be well, perfection. I, I just think as a, you know, I'm a journalist, I'm a storyteller, mm-hmm. I, I create narratives. And so if I'm KD, what I think he's thinking, of, he's not, he's, I'm going to get this championship this year. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about one more championship wherever he goes. He's talking about Multiple. two, yeah, maybe three. three. Exactly. And so if he somehow gets to six <laughs> like Jordan, and then the extra layer of his story he will, he will turn to is like, because I think he has a chance to catch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Absolutely. on the all-time scoring list. Mm-hmm. And so then you start talking about Kareem had the sky hook, the most unstoppable shot. The second most unstoppable thing is the seven-foot KD <laughs> who can hit you from anywhere on the floor. Right. That His length, and that's why Doug Gottlieb came in comparing mm-hmm. him to uh, Kareem, is like, man, these seven-footers, they got a little aloofness right. to them. The, 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 and then this unstoppable shot. When this dude, he done took Dirk Nowitzki's one-legged yep, shot right. to a whole different level. It's he's unguardable. He the he most unguardable one, human. He victory. hit one in game one yeah. against Houston. That was can crucial. I ask you a question though, from a journalistic yeah. perspective? And I say this about time frames. <laughs> that we're living in the time now, and we're coming off the back end of Michael Jordan, LeBron. So the journalists writing stuff lived in that era. The people that are going to be writing the stories 10, 15 years from now grew up with Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Mm. How does that narrative change from their perspective in that conversation? Because... You, you know what I'm, I'm saying? You know? Because I think what KD is thinking in his mind, mm-hmm. and again, I think he's like Michael Corleone, plays it close to the vest. <laughs> he keeps LeBron close. He's yeah. not adversarial with LeBron, but he's like, we three and three now, championships, mm-hmm. after this right. year. Right. And I'm getting more, you're not. 
But, the, <laughs> but see, that's what... <laughs> right, right? Hey, don't let this air-conditioned <laughs> studio fool us, man. Let's go into the hot barbershop. And you've been there a lot lately. I see you tight. My <laughs> <laughs> boy went like real yeah, tight yeah. right now. In the barbershop, they're going to look at Jordan as perfection. He stayed still. Yep. Yep. He climbed the hill. Yes. Everything came to him. He never went on a seeking and uh, journey to find it. I agree. You had to do that. Now, LeBron and KD are going to lose because they don't have a perfection story. They have a chasing journey. And you got to add everything up. But with Jordan, you don't even need a calculator. Okay. It's just easy. It's simple. If I'm in that barbershop and people are going to make that argument. And again, I'm not arguing. Jordan, to me, will probably still be the GOAT. Okay. However, the mm -hmm. other argument I would make is like, hey, man, Kevin Durant played in an era where there was someone more physically gifted than him. Say mm. it. Michael Jordan mm. did not. Say it. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird were not his equals in talent. Wow. Isaiah Thomas was too small. Mm. Michael Jordan had a physical advantage. Kevin Durant, with playing in LeBron here, didn't have that physical advantage. And here he is, going to end up with more titles, potentially, than LeBron, and maybe more points. He'll have an argument. Somebody go look. Following Colin Coward dissects the Rockets' consistent complaint about analytics and the refereeing. Years ago, Phil Jackson would tweak the NBA refs. Lakers coach Phil Jackson, Bulls coach, he would tweak the refs. And the NBA would often fine him. Uh, don't talk about refs during a series trying to manipulate the series. Well, the Rockets did that and then some. The Rockets tabulated the net result of 81 potential missed calls and non-calls in Game 7 of the series between the Rockets and Golden State, and they leaked it to the media, and it was obtained by the place I used to work. The Rockets had a full report listing 81 blown calls that cost the Rockets 18 and a half points 18.6 they went full analytics nerd uh the rockets also argue that veteran officials exhibit the most biased against our players oh god this is a backfire move this is intentional and a timely leak to influence the refs tonight by the way i, I just want to know all you geniuses in houston in that analytics report did you have the part where you went 0 for 27 on threes in that game what was that in the report? Remember that? You had that stretch in that game. You were 0 for 27 on threes. Was that included in the report? Oh, that was an omission. So let's blame it on the veteran officials. As I said yesterday, veteran officials don't fall for this BS. They don't fall for this hardened, flopping soccer stuff. Um, I'm the NBA. I hand out a huge fine to the Houston Rockets. This is not tweaking the NBA. This is trying to embarrass the NBA. They went full analytics nerd here, and I don't think it's going to work. And you know what they say about karma? Karma is a you-know-what. Scott Foster is refereeing the game tonight. Scott Foster has a long-running feud with James Harden and Chris Paul. The Rockets are 0-6 in the last six games Scott Foster has officiated. Now, maybe the Rockets, they knew he was officiating tonight because that's assigned a while back, and they thought, let's get ahead of it. But I think this comes across as they're trying to – uh, embarrass the NBA. I think it's a terrible look, and I think Adam Silver should find them. Um, listen, let's be honest about this. The Rockets' formula to get to the championship was more calls and more free throws. This is where analytics fails. This is where analytics fails. Here's what analytics does not tell you, that the NHL, the NFL, and the NBA do not want calls, free throws, and penalties deciding Super Bowls. 
So in all those sports, NBA, NFL, and NHL, refs swallow their whistles in the playoffs. And the further it goes in the playoffs, NFC Championship, ask the Saints, ask the Rockets last year. The further playoffs go, the more viewers, the more the games mean, the more hockey, football, and basketball officials get out of the way. Analytics. Did, did analytics tell you that, Houston? Um, what the NBA doesn't want is what the NFL faced years ago, where Joy and I would come on the air this fall, and when we talked about big games, we just talked about games. But a year earlier, I would come on my show and talk about catch, no catch. And Roger Goodell came on my show and said, we don't want every game. We're literally talking about the interpretation of rules. We want you to celebrate the NFL. We want to have fun. Never forget this. I said this yesterday. Leagues have a right to their own interpretation and their own officiating territory. Houston's trying to manipulate officials. Never forget this. Remember this, Joy? A couple Super Bowls ago, Eagles-Patriots. All year, we complained about catch-no-catch. No catch. And in the Super Bowl, the NFL did not tell the Eagles, did not tell the Patriots, did not tell Belichick, did not tell Doug Peterson, did not tell the teams. The NFL decided in that Super Bowl, common sense prevails. If it looks like a catch, it's a catch. They went against their own rule, and they gave nobody a heads up. And you know why they did? Because they're the league. And my boss can do what they want. And the NFL can do what they want. And the NBA can do what they want. And the NFL decided without giving anybody a heads up, we're not going to have the Super Bowl turn into a seven-day argument over the interpretation of a catch-no-catch rule. And they knew they were going to change the rule, and they did a month later. And the NBA knows they're going to change this landing area rule. They know they're going to do it in the offseason. And they're not going to let these playoffs, and this is the finals, let's be honest. The Rockets-Warriors, probably the finals. I mean, I, I picked the Celtics to beat the Warriors, but this feels like the finals, right? They're not going to have this series dominated by, well, the interpretation of the landing rule. Common sense is going to prevail. And this is where analytics falls flat. I've told Daryl Morey this. I like analytics. I'm not anti-analytics. But I'm a big believer that you cannot reduce sports to numbers. These are humans. These are athletes. I'd pay money to watch Harden. I'd pay money to watch Westbrook. I want to pay money to watch Brady and LeBron. These are the world's greatest athletes we're watching. Let's not reduce them to a spreadsheet. Now, I think numbers matter. I think they matter. But the reality, the reason Brad Stevens and Kyrie get along better today than two months ago, because they talk because they're human beings, not human doings, not numbers on a spreadsheet. Houston is trying to reduce this series to a spreadsheet. And the NBA is like, nah, no, nah, we're not doing that. And the NFL did this two years ago in the Super Bowl. They said, no, 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 no. We're not going to have this game become a six-day schlog of guys like me and, and women like Joy coming on the air and complaining for six days about officials. We're not going to have it. And so the NFL didn't give anybody a heads up. They said, no, we got to change things right now. And that's what the NBA is doing, and I applaud them. Finally, Chris Broussard is with the Lock It In crew to give his take on who the best odds in the NBA playoffs are. Welcome back to Lock It In. I'm Rachel Benetta, joined by Todd Furman, Clay Travis, and Cousin Sal. I want to welcome in one of our bestest buds and favorite guests on this show, our resident basketball professor, one NBA analyst, 
Mr. Chris Broussard. Uh, when Chris is here, that can only mean one thing. It's time for some playoff round ball talk. Thanks for joining, buddy. Let's jump right in. All right, next up in the worst story of the day, in my opinion, and everyone's opinion, the Philadelphia 76ers bounced back and defeated my Toronto Raptors yesterday because my Raptors couldn't shoot. They didn't sleep well and were just out of sorts. Chris, Philadelphia, smart bet to win the series after getting lucky against my Raptors. I'm honestly curious what you thought about this game. Good news, Rachel. No, not at all. The Raptors will still win this thing. They, they took the Sixers lightly. Uh, as they've been prone to do. We saw it against Orlando in game one, same thing. Look, Philly played with heart and all that, mm -hmm. but the fact of the matter is they don't play intelligent basketball, and that will come back to bite them in this series. We saw it yesterday. We're up 11 with about five and a half minutes left, get outscored by 10 over the next four minutes, uh -huh. and almost lose that game after dominating the entire way. If, la if that game goes another minute yeah. and a half, Toronto wins, so they're still in control of this Kyle series. just got those two threes. He got a little too confident, started doing all these trick shots. It got a little wild. Clay, what do you think? Stop. You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> I think this, Bonetta. U-S-A. U-S-A. U-S-A, baby. Uh, this was a great win for the best country in all the world, and I felt bad for America's top hat, given they're already eliminated from the Stanley Cup. They haven't won it since Rachel Bonetta was still in diapers, <laughs> and now her beloved Raptors are tied up one apiece. Here is what is going to happen, unfortunately. Raptors are going to win this series, and then they're going to go next round against the Celtics, and the Celtics, who I have at a 17-to-1 ticket, are going to crush Rachel Bonetta's dreams. It's going to be fabulous to watch. <laughs> I'm pretty nervous, actually, about that happening, but <laughs> the Raptors don't usually shoot that poorly. I think they're going to be great. They're going to get the job done. Let's keep it moving. The Nuggets offense was on fuego last night, putting up 121 points on the Trailblazers. Chris, following last night's 121 to 113 win over Portland. Do you feel comfortable taking Denver to win the series? I do. I'm a believer now. I'm all in on the Nuggets. The one knock against them coming into the postseason was that they had no playoff experience. But when you go seven games and win against the legendary Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs, you now have been baptized into the postseason fire. You see Jamal Murray. Now he's playing consistently good basketball, whereas early in the playoffs, he was up and down. Nikola Jokic is showing everyone why he is a superstar. He was third on my MVP ballot, and I'm feeling very good about that pick. This guy is a superstar, and now the entire NBA world is beginning to see it. Sally, do you see it? I see it. I, that was a good that was a B minus answer by Chris. I like it. Denver is 35 and 8 at home. This is going to be a home series. As long as they don't lose their home games, they're going to win the series. It's not like hockey. And the change of altitude is a factor, and the change of attitude is a factor, too. So, Portland, you better change yours. Yeah, you too. Uh, finally, right now, who is the best value to win the NBA championship? The whole thing. Chris, what do you think value wise? I never thought I'd say this, but I'm with Clay. I'd say the Celtics. Look, they, they, are, they have figured everything out. All the problems that bothered them in the regular season, all the different agendas guys have, those have been put aside for one agenda of winning a championship. Now, I'm not saying they win it. I still am with Golden State. I'm not even predicting they win the East necessarily. But these Celtics now are capable of beating Milwaukee, Toronto, Houston, and perhaps the Warriors. So at 14 to 1, 17 to 1, whatever it is, they are a good bet or better bet than anybody else in the East yeah. to win this thing. Sprinkle a little on them. Todd, what do you think? 
I'm not sure I believe this, but I'm sticking with the date I brought to the dance in the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I'm not going to tell her she's got to stay at home because she had a giant zit on her face for prom. I'm riding the Bucks to the grave. They get the win tonight. They even up this series, and they remind us all why they're still the team to beat in the East. Give me the Bucks at plus 750. Thank you for listening to the Hoops on Fox podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review letting us know what you think of the show. 